This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. You can have a seat. Um, I'm excited because we are kind of in between uh, series. We just finished up Crash Course, had a great time doing that team, teaching with my wife. Loved it, loved it. Next week, we're kicking off the at the movie, so we're kind of right here in this this weird kind of Labor Day weekend thing. Uh, But I'm looking forward to it because I get to give you a preview of a series we're doing in November called Asked and Answered. And that's really hard to say, by the way, Asked and Answered. Like, you gotta be careful with, with saying that. So we might change that whole title, I don't know, but we'll see. But it's about uh, going over the, the questions that you have, the topics that you've, that you've asked us to kind of address from the stage in messages because we sent out a survey not that long ago and many of you participated in that and had some, some great questions, but one of the most popular ones was the one that we get to talk about today. And it's only fitting because we're kind of moving into this season where we really get to invite people who are far from God and really get to, to put it on our unchurched friends to get here to be a part of the At The Movie series. So today, we're going to cover this question right here that many of you asked is, how can I share my faith? And what I love about this question is it is a selfless question. This is not just, you know, about me and what I can get, but I love the fact that you're thinking of others. You're thinking of what can I do? And I think the reason that you asked the question is really two reasons. One is, you know it's not just a mandate of this church to share Jesus. Like it is, Jesus is our message. It's one of our, our core values. In fact, it's, it's the number one core value that we have. But also, it's a mandate of you as followers of Jesus to get the word out, to reach as many people as you can. In fact, in Mark, Jesus said this to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell them the good news. What's the good news? It's the gospel. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Kind of share with them, you know, who Jesus is. And one of the things about this church is that this is not just a church for church people. This is a church for people also that are far from God. We are on a mission. And I say that because every single person in this room today is in one of two places. Here's what I know about you. What's up, little girl? Somebody lost a little girl. She's running down the, how's it going? (laughs) Hi there. She gone. No, just kidding. Everybody in this room is in one of two places. That is either you're here kicking the tires of church trying to figure out who God is, what he means to your life, and you know, you're just, you're, you're figuring this whole thing out, or you've already discovered who God is. You know God, so you're in this journey of discovery, or you know who he is, and once you know who he is, then the next step, the goal is to be a part of his team in reaching other people, you know, who are far from God as well, to join in that search party, to join in the, the search with God. We told you a few weeks ago uh, about a time my wife and I, we lost our son Parker at Hilton Head. Like, lost him. 
He was gone. And what's crazy about that is when you, when you lose something, you don't start taking inventory of the things that you, that you have already. Like we didn't say, well, we lost Park, but we already got two other kids, so we're good. We didn't do that, right? Like you, you freak out. Like you don't lose your keys and think, well, you know, at least I got my toothbrush. You know, I'm good. We don't do that. And so um, I think that part of what, what God's heart is for us is that he is consumed by, he is, um, he's just kind of consumed with lost people. The Bible tells us time and time again, you know, gives us stories of, you know, if one sheep, you know, wanders away, you know, the shepherd's going to leave the 99. He's consumed by things that are lost. And I say that because he enjoys us coming together on Sunday. He loves it. He loves us singing. He loves us worshiping. You know, he is Lord. He is Lord. Raising our hands. He enjoys it, but he's not consumed with it. He's not enamored by it. It's appropriate for us to worship him, to celebrate all that God has done, but it's not what consumes him. What consumes God is that which is lost. That which is lost. People who are far from him. So that's why 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are, followers of Jesus, are Christ's ambassadors. It means we are to be his representatives. In fact, you might be the only Jesus that someone sees in their life, that we are his representatives and God is making his appeal through us. In other words, you are, the church is, you are his plan A to reach people far from him. There is no plan B. And I say that because for the most part, I think Christians and churches have, have gotten this wrong. Not all of them, but I think a, a lot of them. There are, there are generally two extremes um, when it comes to this. Two churches will take two, one of two approaches. The first is, well, you know what? Let's just, let's just look like the world. Let's just be like everyone else. It doesn't matter what you believe. Just come on in. You know, we're just going to, you know, there are many ways to get to God. And, you know, whatever you feel like is good and whatever you want to do is good. Like, let's just, let's kind of just make it appealing to everyone. Let's call Jesus like Jesus is our homeboy. Let's say things like that. Um, let's just vape in church. Why don't we vape in church? I could be the vaping pastor. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Let's do that. Let's just look like everyone else. Let's not be different. But I think you'll never be able to make a difference unless you're different that we're not called to compromise, you know, the truth of God's word, you know, just, just to engage more and more people. So that's not it. And I think the other extreme people go to um, are churches that are just so dogmatic, so, so rude, so unattractive, right? Where you walk in and someone's looking down their nose at you. Like, what are you doing here? And you're thinking, well, if that's the way this is gonna be and if that's who Jesus is, well, I don't want anything to do with it. So I think they're two extremes. So the question is, can we be attractive, but also not compromise the truth? And I think the answer emphatically is yes, we absolutely can. And the truth really is, is attractive. And here's the verse of the, the day for us, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. says this right here. Don't be, don't be loud. Don't be obnoxious. You know, don't, don't be right. The point's not being right. But be wise. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, people who are maybe lost, people who are far from God, and make the most of every opportunity. Keep going. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, make sure it tastes good. Like, talk to people in such a way that they can relate to it, to it's, it's palatable. Not compromising truth, that's not what I'm saying, 
but just in a way that, that they can relate so that you know how to answer everyone, everyone. And that's what I want to do today. I want to give us some, some simple ways that we can engage people and share our faith. I really like to take things that are, that are kind of maybe complicated or difficult and kind of reduce them down to its simplest format, you know, so, so we can go out and uh, act on it. A lot of people will say, you know, well, I, one guy told me the other day, he said, hey, Colby, I just, you know, you're just such a simple preacher. And I don't think it was a compliment, but I'm going to take it that way, all right? And I don't mind. That's fine with me. We'll keep it simple. I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of guy. I want to show you, though, I think it's easy for us to be wise and to act in a way and talk to people in a way, put salt on what we do as a church in order to be attractive because the goal really is for us to be attractive. The goal is that we can tell as many people, that we can go everywhere and tell as many people as we can the good news of the gospel. So here's a verse that's going to drive us, 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared. Now, as soon as you ask the question in that survey, you know, how do I share my faith? This is what I thought of. Always be prepared because many of you aren't. Honestly, many of you might not even know where to begin. Maybe a pastor, maybe a church told you, hey, we should be doing this. We should be going out and telling people about Jesus, but they left you, you know, wanting, kind of like, well, how do I start? Where do I begin? So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is saying that people will ask you. People will ask you based on the way you live your life. Hey, why do you go to church on Sunday every week? Why do you give? Why do you serve? You know, why, why are you in a group? Why do, you, why do you pray? People will ask you based on your life. And Peter said, be prepared when they do. Be prepared to give an answer be prepared to share. In fact, our working title for today is this, how to prepare before you share. How to prepare before you share. I'm gonna give you three simple things, three simple words uh, to jot down along the way. And then at the end of the message, I'm gonna tell you what I think is the greatest disconnect, the biggest problem when it comes to sharing about God. And here's, here's, the, here's the first one in the outline. Um, very simply, if we're going to do what, what God calls us to do is to reach people, um, then we should do it the way Jesus did it. And uh, our entire outline is taken from how Jesus did it. So the first thing I want you to write down is to connect. Connect. We have to connect first. And I say that because here's the problem. A lot of people want to correct before they connect. And people will, will refuse correction unless there is this, this connection that you have. And well, let's take our cues from Jesus. Jesus was the great connector. Again, he connected with people without compromising the truth. He wasn't saying, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a sinner, keep sinning, it's fine, just do your thing, you know, it's okay, I love you anyway. He didn't say that. Jesus never compromised the truth. A lot of times he would say, stop sinning. You know, I love you. But stop doing what you're doing, right? You know, turn from that and, and, and just knock it off. So Jesus never compromised the truth, but he connected first. Why did he do that? Here's why. You've heard this a million times. People don't care what you know until they know that you, that's right. They don't care what you know. They don't care how much information you have. I refuse to stand up here and just give you information so that you could win a theological argument. Because did you know you can win an argument, 
but still lose. Did you know that? You can win uh, an argument, but you can forfeit a friendship. You can win an argument, but you can lose the influence, the potential that you would have in that person's life. So the goal for us in, in talking about sharing our faith isn't for us to be right. The goal for us is to be effective. And I think we can only be effective when we connect before we correct. That's why. I believe with all my heart, as, as a lot of people do, as my, my wife does, as our staff does, that God wants us to one day have a permanent dream center in this city, a place where we can have outreach on a constant basis, connecting with people, building relationships, not to point them to a church, that's not the goal, but to point them to Jesus. And so, you know, we'll do whatever we can. I don't know when that's gonna happen. I don't know where, I don't have any of that information. Whatever doors God opens up is great. But that's why right now, for our mobile dream center, we're going down every month and just connecting with people in the community because they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And people don't even care what you have to say until they see you actually show it, demonstrate it. People don't care what, what you say about, you know, helping out, you know, in Texas and partnering with churches, they wanna see it. They wanna see you take action. People don't care what you have to say about taking a stand against racism. In fact, I think sometimes people just like to stand on a platform and talk about it when we just wanna show it. We just wanna love people, right, that God so loves. So people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So let's just genuinely love people because when we do that, it opens up the door for them to hear the message, to hear what Jesus was all about. What was Jesus all about? Look at this verse, Luke 19, 10. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this. This defines Jesus's mission. He says, here's why I'm here. I pretty much came to do one thing, and that is to seek and save what was lost. And by the way, church, if we're gonna be about what Jesus is about, this is what we're gonna do too. We're here to join in the search to seek and save what was lost. Now, while maybe you've heard that verse before, maybe you don't remember the story that's surrounding it. And you have to go back to verse one uh, of Luke chapter 19. Here's what it says. Jesus is entering into Jericho, making his way through the town, and there was a man named Zacchaeus there. How many of you remember the little wee man up in the tree Zacchaeus, yes, yes. I used to sing with my little boys when Wade was a baby. I put him on the table and said, I probably shouldn't tell you this. All right, so never mind. <laughs> there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, also known as a jerk, also known as the hated guy, the traitor, because the tax collector was the one that sold out his own people, right, in order to collect taxes on the, the behalf of the Roman government. So they hated him. He was the worst of the worst, called sinners, tax collectors in the region, and he had become very rich. Keep reading. He tried to get a look at Jesus. Now, don't miss this. He wanted to see Jesus. He didn't care to know what Jesus knew. He wanted to see him. People aren't interested in knowing what you know. They wanna see the way that you live your life. And so he's just trying to take a look. He's trying to see who this guy is, what all the, the talk is about. But unfortunately, Z was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That's a shout out for my Baptist people, all right? <laughs> if you remember that song. Climbed up this tree beside the road. Imagine it was like Dylan climbing up a tree, you know, trying to get up there. 
I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Sorry. He's our sound guy in the back. We love him. For Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, hey, sinner, hey, thief, get out of that tree. Get down here. You need to get saved. That's not what he said. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, I want to go to lunch with you. I love this, that Jesus wanted to connect. He wasn't looking to just correct him. He was wanting to connect with him. Come down. Hey, I want to be a guest in your house. In other words, I want to see how you live your life. I want to learn about you. I want to get to know you. I want to invest in who you are. So he came down, climbed down the tree, took Jesus to his house, and I love this, in great excitement and joy. Can I tell you something, church? People will receive you in excitement and joy and what you're about and what you want to tell them about Jesus if you are first looking to connect if you first look to build that bridge with him. But the other people, you're always gonna have the haters, were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. A lot of people are gonna say a lot of things about this church. They're gonna criticize, and that's okay. It is what it is. That's the world we live in. That does not concern me. But if they wanna criticize, here's what I pray their number one criticism is. That church is a church full of sinners because that's what Jesus was about, amen? So that's what we're gonna be about too. We're not perfect. We're not even trying to pretend that we're perfect. But he came down, Zacchaeus was filled with excitement and joy, and he went to, Jesus went to his house, and it says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, so we, we get this whole gap between, we don't know what happened at lunch. Like Luke wasn't invited to the lunch or something, I don't know what happened there, but we don't, we don't know what happened during lunch, but it had to be some kind of lunch because Zacchaeus stood up and it says, you know what, I'm gonna give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. What did they eat at lunch, right? That's crazy. And you know what? I think it's less about maybe what was said during that lunch and more about what Zacchaeus experienced during that lunch. He had time to sit with Jesus, and it changed him. And he said, I'm going to give four times as much. And then watch this. Jesus says, hey, today, Zacchaeus, you figured out what this is all about. Salvation has come to your house. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to take you to lunch. The Son of Man came to get into your world. The Son of Man came to learn who you were and learn what's gonna connect with you. He connected with him. Something happened during that lunch that was real, that was intimate and authentic. There was this, this connection. And I'm telling you, that's where we need to start. We need to just add value to people's lives. Just show them that we care, just love them. Number two, after you connect, you gotta share. You gotta share. Look for opportunities to share your story. In fact, the best um, advice I can give anyone in this room is don't tell people how they should live. Share with them like the difference God has made in your own life. Share with them your story. You're not gonna find anywhere in scripture where it says, hey, you should go around and point out every bad thing that every person is doing. That doesn't work real well, all right? Don't do that. But share with them what you know. 
Share with them how it's changed you. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus talking, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what happens is when you let your light shine, when you just go about doing your thing, you know, doing your good deeds, and by the way, not perfect deeds, not looking for perfection, right? Looking for authenticity, not looking for people who are flawless. We're flawed people. But see, your, your good deeds then that's attractive. That draws people to you and they'll want to know what it is that you have. In other words, they'll come up to you and say, hey, wow, like what's different about you? You know, why, why, why does stuff not get to you like it gets to everyone else? You know, I want, I want what you have. They're gonna be attracted to you. That's why we have to look for opportunities to do this word right here, Acts 1.8. says, you will be my, what's this word? Witnesses. Leave that up here, Witnesses. I, went to, I had jury duty a couple weeks ago. Awesome experience. I loved it. Actually, I got stuck in a room forever. I really wanted to go in because I was interested, never been called up for jury duty. Um, but I just ended up staying in a room for like five or six hours. Uh, but I did go into a courtroom for a minute. And in a courtroom, there's a judge. There's a prosecutor. There's a defendant. And generally, there are witnesses. No one's asking you to be the judge. Don't judge. No one's asking you to prosecute, right? To tell other people what they're doing wrong. No one's asking you to even defend your own position. What are we asking you to do? Be a witness. In other words, get up on the stand and just tell what you've experienced. Just tell what you've seen. Just tell what Jesus has done in your life. The difference that he's made in your life. Be my witnesses. Tell people about me everywhere. And I would say if you're a follower of Jesus, like, you need to learn how to do this. You need to learn how to share your personal story in like two minutes or less. That's it. Just tell people the difference that God has made in your life. Here's, here's my version of it. I grew up in a church home. My parents were, were, were pastors. Grew up every single Sunday going to church. Every single Wednesday going to church. You know, that's, that's what I did. Got saved, I thought, when I was six years old when I was scared at a camp where the counselor said, hey, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? And I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Let me do that one. And so I chose that one, thought I was saved, and I thought that it was all about the institution of religion, not ever knowing it was about a relationship with God until I went to college. And really, I was before then living, living like hell Saturday through or Monday through Saturday, going to church on Sunday, thinking that I'm good. But in college, I experienced all these people who are living out this, this real faith. And I'm drawn to it. And this guy shows up, and there's this revival that spreads throughout Asbury. And I didn't jump in on that. I'm not a super, like, public person. But I went back into the, the chapel that they were doing this revival. I said two minutes or less, so I'm going a little longer with you, but that's all right. And I broke into the chapel. That's probably not a good idea either. At about 2 a.m., and I sat there, and they had this old wooden altar thing, and it was all nicked up. Sing it, girl. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just making friends today. I know. I know. They had this old wooden altar thing. It was all scratched up and nicked up and bumped up wrapped around this whole, like, 1,400-seat kind of auditorium chapel thing. And the guy was talking about earlier that day how people would go up and uh, all those nicks and scratches in the altar where people just do them work with God. 
just saying, you know, God, forgive me for this and that, and just getting right with God. It was just unbelievable. So I go into an empty auditorium, and so I start doing that too. And I just confess, and I just repent. I say, God, you know what? I, I didn't know it was about a relationship. And if you just give me a second chance, I'll make sure, you know, my life from this point on is meant like sharing that same love that you've given me and shown me. I preached my first message to an empty room at about 2 a.m., all right? It was awesome. It was awesome. But that's my story. And my message for my entire life now is pointing people to that same God and understanding that it's not about a church, it's not about religion, it's not about this institution, you know, of church, but it's about a person. And everyone in this room, you have a story as well, and you need to share it. Because people are going to ask you, well, what's different about you? And be prepared to share the hope that you have, hope that you have. People will want to know. The third one is this. Invite, connect, share, and invite. Invite them to a place where they can have this face-to-face experience with God. An experience with God always trumps an explanation of God. You can explain to somebody, you can tell them about it, but until they encounter, until they experience it for themselves, until they have that face-to-face moment with who he is and what he's done for them, like, Here's, here's the thing I know. If you're a skeptic here today, and I understand that, and I'm glad that you're here. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here today. But here's what I know. If you experience God, if you have a moment where you encounter God, you'll never be a skeptic again. You really won't. It'll change everything about you. But if you are a skeptic, you know, that's fine. Here's what you need to know. This church, our dream is not to get you connected to Elevate Church. Our dream for you is that you have one moment in God's presence that's undeniable. This experience with him that, that changes you completely. Five years ago, um, we were still portable in Harding School, and many of you were there. We were about uh, like a half a year old or so, and we were two, maybe 300 people, and um, somebody was, was, I was gre- greeting people at the back door on the way out because, you know, back then it was just a lot few, Everybody was new, you know, everybody was a guest, it was a lot smaller, and I was standing in the back, and this guy comes walking up the back, and he's got these big eyes, and he's making a beeline for me. He's got this leather jacket on, looks all scruffy, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be really good or really bad right now. And he's about halfway up, and he yells at me, hey! And I'm thinking, this is really bad. This is really bad, really bad. And so I started looking around, like, for, for some bigger guys like Ryan King, who, you know, is super tall, and, and Scott Russell, and I'm, I'm thinking, I got to get some help. I got to get somebody up here. He comes, hey. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, uh, there's something in that room. I'm like, okay, I guess. What, what do you mean? He's like, there's something in that room. And then I start to understand what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's talking about an experience that he had. Maybe something touched him. And I said, oh, all right, well, well, did you like it? He goes, I don't know, but I'm going to be back next week to find out, right? And he's been back every single week since then, every single week. And I say that, I say that because the last thing this guy needed, my friend needed, was an explanation of who God was. Hey, the last thing this city needs is... They didn't, Erie doesn't need another religious institution. Erie needs to have this unbelievable encounter with who God is. 
to create opportunities for people to come. And so we say, hey man, invite, invite, invite. And if you're here today and you're, you're just, you're a skeptic or you know, you're, you're even a, a hater, you have something in common with a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament named Paul. Paul was a hater. Paul was a Christian killer. Paul was a guy, you know, who, who thought following Jesus was a cult. And so he was one of the religious, you know, of leaders of the law. And he was putting Christians to death until he had this encounter, until he met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. And that's why Paul would say this. He says, all right, from that point on, let me show you how I'm going to share Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says this, you'll remember, friends, that when I came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you because that's not how people get saved, because that's not how I can connect with you. I didn't try to impress you with Paul's speeches because um, that's not gonna help you either. I didn't try to impress you with the latest philosophy, even though I'm qualified to do it is what Paul had to be thinking. I deliberately, I love this, made it plain and simple. First, I told you, who Jesus is, and then what he did. You need to know something. There are people in your life, maybe even in this room, you need to know who Jesus is and what he's done. And Paul says, Jesus was crucified. Jesus crucified. He says, I was unsure of how to go about this. Felt totally inadequate like many of us in this room. That's why you asked the question, how do I share my faith? feel totally inadequate, feel totally incapable of doing it. I was scared to death, he says, if you want to know the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but it didn't matter because the message came through anyway. Can I free some of you up today from this responsibility of feeling like, like you're going to be the one that it's all depends and rises and falls on what you say or do? Like the message is going to come through. And how's it, how does it come through? God's spirit. The next verse, he says, the, God's spirit and God's power. The word, the word spirit is the word pneuma. It means, it means wind. It means breath. It means this breath of fresh air. It's, he said it feels like when you have this encounter, this experience, like just this, your lungs are filled up with this new life. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And he says God's spirit and power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is not a response to who can explain to you the best about God. It's got nothing to do with that. But it's a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. That's why I would encourage you, man, don't, just, just don't do it. Just invite people to a place they can experience uh, an encounter with God. And if you're here today and that's you, you're trying to figure this whole thing out, listen, there's no pressure. You don't have to give anything, serve anything, do anything, say anything, pray anything. You don't have to do any of that. Just experience God. Just allow him to speak to you. So let's connect. Show people we care right, add value to their, their, their lives, the, giving them practical needs so we can speak into their, their lives, do whatever we can. Then let's share with them, share with them the reason for your hope. Get it down, practice it to a couple minutes, and then invite them. Invite them to a place to experience God. Uh, we often say, you do what you can do. You, you, you invite the friends that you have, and you let us do what we can do. We'll create an opportunity for them to, to come into an environment to have this God encounter. So those three things, 
Connect, share, invite. Now here's the big disconnect. Here's the big kicker. Because why on earth, right, that being said, there are a lot of people that would say no to God. And I feel like the reason why they would say no to God is because they have the wrong information about God. I feel like they have the wrong idea, the wrong images of who God is. No one in their right mind, knowing what many of you in this room know, would say no to what God offers us. So there are four wrong images I want to give you. Four wrong images of God. Kind of like uh, when Park, my seven-year-old now, when he was four, you know, he, we were having this conversation and he said to me, hey, Dad, I want to play baseball. I'm like, why don't you want to play baseball? He said, I, don't, I, I want to get tackled and I hate wearing those helmets. They're too heavy. Genius, that's football. That's not baseball. What's baseball? This is with the bat and this is with the ball. He's like, oh, I love baseball. I want to play baseball. Yeah, I know, right? And I tell you that because the same thing happens in church. People say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to know about God. Why? Because it's all about these rules and regulations and these, these do's and, you know, these, these things I can't do and it's boring and it's not fun. I'm like, that's not what church is about. That's not what God is about. And then you explain it to them. They're like, oh. And so I think we have to get rid of some of these, these bad images, these misconceptions that people have about God. It's important for us to clear this up. Jesus had to do this as well. Did you know that? With his disciples. One time they were traveling and he asked them, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, the guy that got his head cut off, that you were reincarnated and you came back, you know, as, as Jesus. And Jesus got to be thinking, well, that's super weird. That didn't happen, right? Others say you're Elijah. Elijah never died. He was just taken up to the cloud. So you're probably him, because the Bible says you're appointed, you know, one time to die. So that's, that's probably who you are. Others even say you're just you're nothing special. You're just a prophet, just another teacher. So Jesus said this, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And let me pause and let everybody in this room know that you have to find an answer for that yourself as well. Who do you say Jesus is? If you're going to connect with people, you're going to share with people, you better know what you're sharing. You better know who you're sharing about. I'd love to introduce you to him, and I will in just a few moments. Peter answered, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. Jesus said, hey, you know what? This was revealed to you uh, supernaturally. You know what Christ means? Christ means the anointed one. In other words, Peter's saying, hey, there's something different about you, that you carry this power. And I feel like if we can get people to experience Jesus, you know, the Christ, the anointed one, the powerful one, rather than these, these misconceptions, these wrong images that they, they have, right, see God for who he is. But here's, here's the wrong pictures that many people have. One is they, they see him through the lens of he's a locked door. He's a locked door. He, he's there, but he's not reachable. He's there, Right, but he's locked up, he's on the other side and you can't get to him. And sometimes I'll even say um, at a, during an invitation, hey, if you're here and you're a Christian or, or you just feel far from God, which is not theologically accurate, by the way. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're really never far from God. No one in this room is really ever far from God. But the reality is you feel as though you are. There are people in this room right now, you feel a billion miles from God. You might as well be. 
for all you know. You feel like you can't reach him. In fact, uh, the myth is that he is unapproachable. God's unapproachable. You can't get to him. He's there, but you can't get to him. I got great news for you. He's not a locked door. In fact, he's closer than you think. Look at Acts 17, 27. It says he doesn't play hide and seek. He's not remote. He's near. Someone in this room today, you need to know that. He's near to you. He's been waiting on you. He's been drawing you to him. He's closer than you think. In fact, he's one decision away. One decision away. Some people see God through the lens of uh, a, a luggage pile. Like it's, it's your past, it's your baggage that you're carrying with you. And you feel like, well, you know what? If I could, if I could just get rid of this luggage, then you know, I could connect with God. If I could just get rid of this. In fact, uh, the myth is that you don't see God as someone who can really forgive you that he's unforgiving. And you, you've even said maybe, I don't know how God could forgive me when I can't even forgive myself. Maybe you have said that. And so you feel as though God doesn't want you, he rejects you, and the truth is, he loves you, he's desperate for you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. What's this word? Say it again. While. While we were sinners. It's not though Jesus was going to the cross and they're about to drive the nails into his wrist and he's like, wait, 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 wait. I want to make sure before I go through with this that somebody's going to get saved. That's not what he did. It says while they were driving the nails. While they were beating him, while you and I made the decisions that we did, while we fell short, while, you know, we made mistakes, messed up, even while we were doing that, he died for us. That's unbelievable. While, while we were sinning, Christ died for us. Why did he do it that way? To show us his great love. And it's a myth that he can't forgive you. It's a myth that you are too far gone. It's a myth that he's never able to get past your past. He can and he wants to. He wants to. Another picture we have of God is that he's an endless ladder. That you might be able to get there one day, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of effort. It requires a lot of hard work on your Part. So you got to pray more, you got to give more, you got to come to church, you got to be in a group, you got to, you know, read your Bible every single day and you picture God, you know, through the lens of I have to work to get to him. And the myth is God is unbearable. He's unbearable. It's just too much required of me. And Jesus himself clarified this when asked in John 6, what must we do to do the works that God requires. And here's how he answered. The work of God is this. You just gotta believe. Believe in the one he has sent. Wait a second. That's it? Yeah. Just have faith in. Just have trust in. Just have, have hope in the one that God sent. And I know the pushback. The people say, no, no, I got a verse. I got a verse that says, you know, that faith without works is dead. That's true. But that's, that's after you meet Jesus, not how you meet Jesus. 
Some of you are trying to do that in order to meet Jesus, and that's not what it's about. In fact, the real picture is this right here. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. It's offered to every single one of us. In fact, get this, it's something that you and I don't deserve, but it's offered to us anyway. And when God says it's free, it's free. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that anyone can boast. It's free. It's free. So as we're out there, as we are connecting with people, sharing our story as we are inviting them to a place where they can have this face-to-face moment, this experience with God, we also need to let them know, and maybe some of you need to know, that it's free. Because everybody has these ideas of what God looks like. He's a, he's a locked door. He's there. I can't get to him. He's, he's, you know, can't get past my past. It's all this luggage that I carry, this baggage that I have. Or it's going to take a lot of work. And I don't know if I'm ready to work that hard to get to him, but the reality is it's free. On Easter um, Sunday, we did this baptism service here. Probably a lot of you remember. And uh, we had the baptismal just sitting right here. And it was on Sunday night. It was like the last service that we had. And uh, the last person of the last service on Easter comes walking down this aisle. And so I'm in the baptismal and in our pool and I'm, and I'm baptizing people and, and she comes down and she comes down the aisle with big eyes. Everyone I meet has big eyes, all right? I don't know what that is. That says about me, I don't know. But she's coming down with big eyes and she gets into the pool and she's just looking real nervous, not saying anything. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And she didn't say anything. I was like, why are you here? She said, I don't know. All right, well, you know, we're, we're baptizing people. Right? You're in the water right now. You know what's going on, right? I said, you just feel like God's brought you here? She said, yeah. I said, all right, well, do you want to get baptized? She said, I don't know. Like, do you know Jesus? No. So here's this woman She didn't need me to explain who God was. Like the Holy Spirit got a hold of her. She experienced something. She walked down. She gets in the pool. And I said, well, you know, if you don't know Jesus, we can can do that right now. I can tell you who he is. You You can, you know, accept him as your Lord and Savior right now. And she said, I don't think I can. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, he can't. He's not gonna forgive me. She had this image of who God was. He was unforgiving that she had all this baggage, and I said, he'll absolutely forgive you. She said, no, I'm a prostitute. And I'm like, he'll forgive you. And she's bawling. She's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm like, there's nothing. There's nothing that you could ever do. There's nothing that could separate you from the love of God. He loves you so much, he brought you to this point. I said, you want to give your life to him right now? She said, yeah. So we prayed. I've never done this before, ever. Like in the pool, we prayed. She received Jesus, and she got baptized. Went public with her faith that day. Stepped out and said, hey, you know what? Yeah. Be different. 
Be different. You gotta, you gotta stop doing what you're doing. Obviously, please stop doing what you're doing. And be different. Be different. And I think there are people in your life, there are people in your family, there are people uh, in your workplaces, in your schools, all they need is for you to connect with them. All they need is for you to, to build a relationship with them, not to try to correct them. The church does this, like we've screwed this up. And we've made it really difficult sometimes for people to see who the real Jesus is. But try to connect with them before you correct. And then share what God has done in you. And it doesn't have to be polished, doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to use anything flashy. It could be Jesus has changed my life. Let me tell you how. It can be as simple as that. And then invite them to a place where they can experience them for yourself. And there's really not gonna be a better time than starting next week. We're doing this series called At the Movies, and it really is to engage your friends and family that are far from God. That's what it's meant. Every single week, we're gonna give a gospel message. And I would encourage you to invite them to that as well. Get them past those inaccurate pictures of who God is. So why don't we do this? Why don't you guys stand up to your feet? We're gonna pray. But I think that I would be remiss if I didn't give people an opportunity today that maybe you're just checking this thing out. And you're like that woman that came up to the front, didn't even know why she was here. But God is just drawing you to him. In fact, with every head bowed, every eyes closed. Maybe you've had a bad picture of who God is. Let me give you a a great picture. God so loved you. Not just the person next to you. Not the person that gets it right all the time. Not the person that's a prayer warrior, that's in the word, that does everything right. God so loved you. Sinner, Colby, sinner, that while we were sinning, in the midst of our sinning, in the midst of making mistakes, in the midst of doing it the wrong way, Christ died for you because he loves you that much to take on all your sin. And the moment we call on his name and confess he is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord, the Bible says that we are a new creation, that the old is gone, the new has come, and you might not feel any different when you do that, But it's not about feelings. God's word trumps our feelings. And he says, you are new. You are born again in Jesus' name. And so I want to give you an opportunity here today to pray that prayer with me. It's the way we communicate with God. So maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ, to following him, to surrendering him. Maybe you're getting right with stuff. Maybe, you know, it's kind of like me at the altar, just kind of getting right with God getting some stuff worked out, or maybe for the first time, you understand how much Jesus loves you in order to give his life for you. That's how much. And today you receive that payment of Christ on the cross. And when we pray, you're gonna pray that with me. You say, Colby, count me in. I'm praying with you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? I just wanna see who's praying with me. Come on, I wanna, yeah, awesome. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Dozens of hands across this room. That's awesome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You are making the best decision of your life, that God is closer than you think. He's one decision away, and this is how we come into a relationship with God. Not a, not a religion, but a relationship. Pray this with me. You can pray it out loud. You can whisper it to God. Jesus, today, 
I surrender my life to you. Today, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so I wanna say thank you for dying for me. I can't say thank you enough for taking my sin on the cross that while I was sinning, you were dying for my past, for my present, and for my future. And so today, God, I repent of my sin and I put my trust in Jesus. The only thing you asked me to do is believe. And so today, I believe. Thank you for this new life that I have in Christ. Empower me, Holy Spirit. Strengthen me and equip me now for the, the, the journey that I have ahead. Jesus, I surrender it all. You are Lord of my life. Just tell him that one more time. I confess you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.